Welcome to the podcast. I'm Richard McLean. I'm Nathan Shoemate. And this is Please Leave a Message. Season 3, Episode 9. Overall, this is episode number 38. We call ourselves Please Leave a Message because we do have a phone number you can call into, and you can leave us a message. The number is 801-SKETCH-1. That's 801-753-8241. You can find us at pleaseleavemessage.com. We're also at Message Podcast on Instagram. Anything that we talk about that needs to be seen, we'll post there. And you can email us at pleasepodcast at gmail.com. So, today I was editing my very first VR video. Ooh. So, like virtual reality? Like the thing that was really popular back in the 90s? Like the 360 degree cameras. So, when you you, uh, watch the video, you can turn your head and and the audio will rotate with you. And was it it something that was also an exciting (laughs) subject matter or was it just, hey, look, here's a field? It was just an interesting talk. So, I'm, I'm a digitization specialist at UVU. Over there at the library, we have a series of lectures that we give every semester, and I'm in charge of recording those. And last semester, I had been playing around with 3D audio capturing, something called Ambisonics. Okay. And I took some Ambisonics one time, and I slept (laughs) so well. It was amazing. In fact, I I think I might still be dreaming. (laughs) I was experimenting with that and i wanted to do some video with it so i found a cheap 360 degree camera to play around with and then i i said to my boss hey i'd like to try doing the lecture series this way so that people can watch the lecture as if they were sitting there listening to the lecture now correct me if i'm wrong you know and i liked lectures as much as the next guy but i'm thinking with a 360-degree view of a lecture, you've got about 10% that's the guy you came to listen to. Right. And then the other 350 degrees is going to be, hey, who's that over there? Exactly. Is that guy picking his nose? <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. I'm, I'm glad I caught the appeal of it, such as it is. <laughs> I just, I, I've got a friend that's really into it, and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm watching this tonight, and I'm doing mm-hmm. this tonight. He's always talking about the 360-degree videos he's playing with with his vr setup so i thought hey look i can look around and see how many people are playing on their phones and not paying attention to the lecture <laughs> awesome i thought i'll try it out and okay. if we get any traction at all i'll keep doing it and actually request some good equipment from the school otherwise i'll just bail and <laughs> i'll have no. had my i'll have had my chance to play with it and get right. to know it was that. an experiment and you got all that you could out of the experience right so, right right yeah so that's cool. Are you into role-playing games? You know, every time it seems that every time I started in on a role-playing game, I immediately moved. <laughs> and so now that my wife and I are settled in a place that we really like and have been there for 20 years, I don't dare start a role-playing game <laughs> because then she would blame me. No, I uh, I did some role-playing in high school in the I, – I notice on your shelves here the – Good old first edition AD&D books, 
which is, you know, I'm old enough that when the second edition came out, I was like, you kids with your newfangled stuff and your (laughs) non-crappy artwork. Um, And then I moved. And uh, then later on, I did some uh, Palladium Beyond the Supernatural, and then I moved. And then I did some Call of Cthulhu, and then I moved. And I said, I want to put down some roots, so I think I'll just not do the gaming now. (laughs) Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I didn't get into Dungeons and Dragons or role playing until it was version. It was like right in between version three and three point five is when I started playing. And then I just kind of got curious about the history of the game. When and, did they take the advanced off of advanced Dungeons and Dragons and say it's really stupid for us to have two developmental streams here? I'm not entirely sure. It was a bit before. So that's I started that's how playing. you could tell when someone in high school was a real nerd someone say so do you play dungeons and dragons like no i play advanced dungeons and dragons (laughs) oh okay (laughs) yeah that was before my time but i did get interested in kind of the history of it and that's Mm -hmm. why i've got all the old editions i i tracked them down and uh, it just became one of my obsessions for a little while do you have what was it the original monster manual that had cthulhu mythos in them i do have that how much did that set you back if i might ask you in a public forum like this i I can't remember. You found it for 25 cents at a yard sale and you tried not to show people what you had. <laughs> I think I paid maybe 20 bucks for it. Nice. But I saw editions of it that were much pricier. Yeah. Mine's not in super great condition. Yours, just, yours is well-loved. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I, I wanted that one because I knew it existed and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, if I'm going to track down an old copy, I might as well be that copy. Right, right. So, yeah. My game of choice is called Savage Worlds. And I have only heard about that on a previous edition of your podcast. <laughs> right. Well, they just had a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and uh, my box set showed up, this bad boy. Ooh. It's quite large. Now, you don't need all that to play the game. Need. But... Once you start talking about need, <laughs> then that's just a kettle of worms you don't want to open. Well, do I need any of this? Well, really? I, I originally just ordered the book. Mm-hmm. And then they, well, I wanted to order the whole thing because they do a box set like that with everything that they put out. They All nice. their new stuff they do on Kickstarter, and they always do a big box set like that with cards and poker chips and dice. And nice. The whole shebang. You don't need all that to play. And I never get it usually, but this was the core rule book. And I'm like, it'd be nice to have, but I didn't have the money. And then later down the line, after they'd already completed the Kickstarter, they're like, okay, there's pre-orders. If you want to just add that on, go ahead and add it on. A little bit of a price break. And I'm, eh, I've got the money now. I deserve it. I owe myself. I'll, I'll do it this one time. I, I won't right. do it for everything that they no, put out. There's no such thing as a precedent here. <laughs> But they've uh, their main setting, so it's it's just kind of a it's a generic system. So right. you can play your standard dungeon crawl stuff with it, but you can also do sci-fi stuff with it. Right. So it's like GURPS, but better. Yeah, it's not nearly as crunchy as GURPS, which was the yeah. first role-playing book I actually bought. I never played it for years. You know, years I years. I had several of those, and I never I just I combed <laughs> through all the stuff. I'm like, huh, isn't this interesting? Well, if I ever play again. Here is something. Oh, that's the other one. I Marvel superheroes. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that one was. I'm. I know your penchant for the uh, loose rule. Yes. Kind of role playing, and that one was very good. I mean, the uh, the real manual for it was about the size of a. 
I'm trying to think of a magazine that's still in print, so I can see, you know, like a Time magazine or <laughs> okay, something. Okay, right. Uh, and it was, and the back cover was an entire chart. If you're if you are fighting against someone with this power level, you need to make this roll. Okay. Everything you needed was right there. I've, I've actually heard really good things about that one. Yep. So they've got a whole range of different settings to play. Their their like main system setting, the mm-hmm. one that kind of everything is based off of, is called Deadlands, and it's a Weird Wild West setting. Ooh. Which I really enjoy. Tell me more. <laughs> so it's it's an alternate history. Mm-hmm. In 1876 is when history diverges from. Okay. Uh, there were some Native Americans who didn't like the white man. There were some? Really? really? <laughs> so Are they, you sure of that? They, is that the diversion part? or they, they had a ritual which called basically the four horsemen of the apocalypse okay. into our world. It fractured California. They now call California the Great Maze. There was a great earthquake, and it fractured into all these little bits. And nice. So it's like all these waterways that nice. filled up, and there's that. Um, and there's like different parts of the country were taken over by a different horseman. So the horseman that was over California was famine. So if you're nice. running an adventure in famine, food doesn't last long, and stuff like that but, and the napa valley just isn't a thing <laughs> right pretty much yeah okay so and there's like a lot of steampunk elements to it and it's it's quite fun i uh, like it they just announced recently that they're doing a new kind of extension to that setting called mm-hmm. deadlands dark ages so they're taking the story further back and okay and it's going to have ramifications on the western version since they just updated this they're like well we'll update everything huh Good business, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just have to see how they do it. It's like, well, we're going to make a divergent alternate history of the Dark Ages, but then everything is going to stay pretty much the same until 1876. Well, I think what they did was, because they also have a one called Deadlands Noir, which okay. takes place in the 20s, 30s. Right. And then they have another one called Lost Colony, which they haven't done a version of for quite a while, not hmm. since the original version. But the Lost Colony is, it happened, so the... The the steampunky stuff is really quite scientifically advanced. Unlike most steampunky stuff, which is basically fantasy with gears. Right. So one of the things that the main inventor guy, mm-hmm. the craziest of the crazy mad scientists, he creates like a, a portal to another world. And then... As one does. Then the portal collapses. And so As Lost Colony is Deadlands on another planet and uh, their spaceships. And, okay. Yeah. So they announced they're finally updating that version. It's been a long time, but so that's going to be cool. Nice. Anyway, so I've been kind of excited about that to come out. Yeah. I like looking at uh, all these role-playing settings, you know, because it's really a very different art, even from the world building of a fiction writer, because you need to make possibilities. You're not just trying to set up a certain scenario, which you could be in, in your normal science fiction or fantasy world building. You need to set up bunch of possibilities so that other people can play there and it's very much a a different discipline yeah i i wrote an adventure for savage worlds and i've run it three times now i think maybe four and i think it's a pretty good little story Uh uh-huh and i've been trying to write it because uh with this version of savage worlds they have something that's called the adventure guild okay and so i can write an adventure for it and i can publish that through drive through RPG 
and I can make profit off of it. That's always the, yeah, I was I was waiting for the part about do you get money? I do. Okay, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. They they take a percentage, yeah. I get a percentage. Right. And I think I've got a pretty good story and and you know, I've ri- I've run it a few times so I'm like, okay, I can do this. I can yeah. knock this out. And I sat down to do it and I'm like, this is entirely more difficult to put down and for somebody else to run it. Right. than for just me to run it. Yeah. Which, you know, I'll get around to it. <laughs> put that on the list. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's quite a list too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I really think it's funny when you hear about guys who retire and then they just don't know what to do with themselves. Yeah. Like, you gotta be kidding. I me. don't get that. I've got at least 40 years of stuff stacked up that right? I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, some people are able to do that. They like just focus on one thing and that's their thing and that's what they do. And I've never been able to do that. Well, no. And then there's even if. As far as I understand, there are 24 hours in a day. Yes. And at least a minimum of it must be spent sleeping, eating, pooping, you know, and then earning that living and stuff. <laughs> There's just a time crunch. I mean, I've had projects that I've wanted to get to literally for 20 years. And like someday, someday. Of course, the worst of them are when you, you have a project you're like, okay, I'm going to get to that someday. I'm going to get to that someday. Oh, look, a movie came out that's 98% the same. <laughs> Never mind then. Scratch that off the list. <laughs> yep. Yep. I had a friend. He's been writing this story since we were in high school together. And he's been revising it. And he's done a few different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And I saw his last version of it. And he'd actually started illustrating it and was getting ready. to. In fact, he had a little tiny book of it. Like, not the full thing, but, like, a story from the same universe that right. he'd done. And he took it to Comic-Con and sold a few copies. And then I saw the new version of Disney's Pete's Dragon. <laughs> and I called him up, and I'm like, how much of your story did they steal? And he's like, yeah, I've had to revise my entire story when that came out. Oh, boy. <laughs> I felt bad for him. I do, too. He's honestly been developing this since high school. I'm always a little leery of people who have been concentrating on this one thing that I've wanted to do my entire life because as as you know there's only so much you can do with something before you completely lose all objectivity right you get to thinking this is the greatest thing ever and other people say it's um yeah it's a it's a Shakespeare ripoff or you know whatever it is that <laughs> right. you're like no no it's, it's entirely original really because I swear I saw that same plot point no when those projects turn out great great but it's very rare that they do because people are so devoted to them right. that they've, you know, it's just like calling someone's baby. Like, Isn't this the most beautiful baby you've ever seen? <laughs> well, no, it looks kind of like a turnip, like most newborns, <laughs> but mine is beautiful. Oak, if you want to believe that, sure, just don't make me agree with you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's one thing that I've, I've told him repeatedly. He's like, you just got to do it and put it out there. And I think he's t- finally kind of started to come around to that. I've been telling him for years that perfect is the enemy of complete. Yeah. If you're always worried about making it perfect, it'll never be done. Yeah. And I can understand saying, you know, what I really want is beyond my skill set at and I, present. And I think that's part of, like he's done full, like he did a full comic book of it at one point, or at least a part of the story. Mm-hmm. It was quite good. Uh, and he's like, it's just not quite the style that I want. And I think he's finally gotten his art to the style that right. he likes. Uh, and it's very colorful and playful and childlike. And it's 
awesome. Well, good. It's very different from the original version that I saw. Not unlike Pete's Dragon is very different from the other Pete's Dragon. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's like they stole his lore and they stuck it on top of Pete's Dragon. It was the weirdest thing watching it. Because I'm like, Brian, this is like, it was so word for word close to what It's, it's the kind been... of thing that makes you sleep with the tinfoil hat on. <laughs> right. The Disney satellites are sucking my brains. <sighs> I know a guy, one of my teachers uh, that taught the rigging class at UVU in the 3D department. He worked at Disney for uh-huh. several years, and he, he, in fact, invented the arm system that they used in Wreck-It Ralph. Okay. And one of his bosses took credit for right. coming up with yeah. that. He's he's the one that got the bonus. and Yeah, he like literally just ripped it off, took credit for it, even though yeah. he was the one that developed yeah. it. Well, like, that doesn't even surprise me. It that doesn't that. surprise me. I mean, you're working for Disney, not a place that is well-renowned for its acknowledgement of creator rights and such. Not now. Not. I think there it was. never really. I mean, the, you know, to, Walt to a Disney was a great hirer of other people. Yes, he was. So. He was yeah. very good. He was, he was also very good at seeing potential in people that they couldn't yeah. see in themselves. Like, I read stories about when he was around, and it must have been an amazing place to, to oh, work. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's why, for years and years and years, that was my goal, was to go work there. Right. Um, and then the Aristocats came out, and they said, <laughs> the great mouse detective, like, oh, I think I want a different career path. No, it was it was after that. that okay. I changed my mind. Anyway, uh, that's besides the point. But yeah, I, I read all the old stories, and I was just like, man, that really would have been an amazing... Like, the guy that wrote Pirates of the Caribbean uh-huh. and Grim Grin Ghost for the, the Haunted Mansion. Those two songs. Those are like the only two songs he ever wrote. Cool. And Walt was just walking through the studio one day and he talked to that guy and he's like, what are you up to? And he's like, well, and I don't really have anything at the moment. And he, Walt was like, well, I want you to go over here and work with these guys. And he sent him over there. So he shows up the first day over there and like, and they're like, who are you? What are you doing? He's like, Walt sent me. He's like, no, he didn't. And so they like contacted the chain of command and uh-huh. they're like, okay, well he sent you here, but we don't have anything for you to do. So we'll figure it out, Yeah, I guess. So just sit in the corner and don't bother anybody. Yeah, yeah. that's basically what they told him. And so he kind of went around and was looking at everything they were doing. And he, he went home and he wrote this little ditty, hmm. the Pirates of the Caribbean song. And he gave the lyrics to him. And he thought that they'd have uh, the Sherman Brothers mm-hmm. take it and rewrite it. But they didn't. They loved it the way it was. Yeah. And so And then he ended up doing the Haunted Mansion one too. So Then there was another story about a guy that was working on Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. And the the clock scene at the beginning with all the crazy cuckoo clocks. And he was talking. He's like, I don't think half those things that we came up with are even possible. And Walt's like, like... And Walt's like, this is a story about an animated puppet. Okay. <laughs> Walt said to him, you're right. I bet you couldn't build anything like that. And like three weeks <laughs> later, the guy came back and he built this crazy cuckoo clock that did all these things. <laughs> so, and it's stuff like that. Yeah. Just is really kind of interesting to me yeah so uh tell us about yourself and kind of what you're oh well let's see the most interesting thing that i'm doing right now is praying for my bathroom finish we've been (laughs) renovating our house you know like like i said we've been in the same place for about 20 years we thought it was going to be a starter home okay now it's going to be you know our permanent forever home because our kids say we can never leave okay well in that case maybe we ought to take out some of this Original 1954 linoleum, original 1954 <laughs> cabinets. The good news is we bought it as a repo at 20 years ago, and the housing market has just skyrocketed. So 
The bank gave us $53,000 of equity to play with. Oh, there you go. I did not realize at the time that that meant that I would go three weeks with no hot water and no door on the bathroom. (laughs) But it's making my wife happy. And that's what's important. That's what's important here because she said, I want your input on this. I said, no, you don't. Okay. (laughs) The bathroom, it's a room I poop in. That's all I care about. Okay. Make it how you want it and I will love it. And so she, you know, she's been hunting up tiles. She got really into it. She would go to restore and stuff and find the perfect little tiles and set things up and work with the contractors. They know I want it like this pattern here. And she's been very creative with it. And I say, that's, that's great. I want to flush sometime. <laughs> so in fact, maybe when I get home tonight, the guy who's supposed to be hooking up the water heater will have been and gone. And I will have a bath where I don't have to heat up the water on the stove in the kitchen. <laughs> the kitchen, which itself will be vanishing next week. Okay. So, yeah. Well, good luck with that. So that, that kind of eclipses all of the creative things in my life. You know, they, I, I've never been a firm believer in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but man, when you can't shut the door on the bathroom, it's really hard to be creative. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Just those those little things, those little luxuries. And it wouldn't be so bad if I was, you know, I love post-apocalyptic stuff. I love old westerns, you know. It wouldn't be bad if nobody I knew could have a shower. But no, it's me and then an office of professionals. So, you know, it's like, I'm going to give myself a sponge bath this morning and, and dry shampoo my hair and hope that I don't look too much like a homeless guy. And, but that's probably not the question you were asking. No, but it amused me. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am. I am one of the world's great dispensers of Schadenfreude. <laughs> so, what was the question again? Sorry, Just, you know what? Are you, what do you do? Oh, oh, what do I do? Well, I describe myself as a high function dilettante. I do some writing. I do some art. I do some editing. And when I say art, I do. I mean you know pencil and two D stuff. But I also do some assemblage art. Once upon a time, I did a wee bit of podcasting more than ten years ago. Nobody ever listened to it, which is one of the reasons I stopped. Well, 10 years ago, that's when podcasting was kind of just starting to it take was, off. Oh, it was. I bought myself a microphone. <laughs> I was good. I had, what's what's that, that free program? Audacity. Oh, yes. On my computer. Yeah. Which, I was, then I had a stroke and somehow I couldn't talk for a while. So, you know, kind of went down the hill. Yeah, yeah. that could yeah. get in the way of Age 37, I just had a stroke and everything on the right side of my body kind of went numb and I just, my voice sounded like uh, Ezra Taft Benson on a bad day. Okay. I just kind of had a little voice like this. So I said, maybe we won't do the podcasting for a while and never got back. I can see that. That's tricky. As opposed to my light FM voice now. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's the proximity effect. Oh, it's also years and years of practice. <laughs> When we first met, was about, I guess, three years ago now? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. We were, uh, we had artist tables right beside each other at the convention formerly known as Salt Lake Comic Con, now known as Fanex. And it was, it was a, a light bulb time for me because I was trying to do bits and pieces of art that would appeal to, you know, me as my own target audience. And I was doing that time woodcuts and i was doing them live at the table like i had pieces of wood and i was carving them at the table and i got really really tired of people walking by saying 
Oh, that's amazing. That's what... Oh, hey, look, that other table has my favorite Final Fantasy VII <laughs> character. And go and give him money. You know, like, yeah, that guy, like, two tables down from us. He was making bank. <laughs> and I said, okay, this this isn't working. I need to come up with something new that's got a pop cultural feel, because, you know, I'm at a comic convention. But also, I thought nobody needs to have my drawing of Deadpool. Right. You know, and... I've never been into anime just because I never, I couldn't afford the other obsession. And, you know, anime fans are the most obsessive. I mean, jihadists aren't as obsessed <laughs> as anime fans. And I just couldn't allow myself to get into that. So I started thinking and I had previously reviewed about a, for about a dozen years, I had run a movie review website of B-movies. So I had all this crap in my head and said, why don't I do fake funny movie posters? And Richard was sitting right there beside me. He was like my support. <laughs> it's true. And I came up with this great idea. He's like, yeah, you, you, sure. You go with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were great. You yeah. came up with like five or six. Oh, I, I started writing down all sorts of fake yeah, titles. Tons of titles. Tons and... of titles. And yep. And the first uh, couple I came out with are still my bestsellers. Octosaurus Rex, which is a T-Rex with eight tiny arms instead of just two. <laughs> And Nazi sharks, which is the one that everyone passes by and then stops and is like, what did I just see? Poke their friends and say, look, Nazi sharks. I'm like, thank you. Nazi sharks have been very good to me. <laughs> and so that's what I mostly sell at conventions now. And I actually break even, which is a new. That's great. That That's a really new feeling for me. So <laughs> That is great, especially with those stinking table fees. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had good luck with. It's just, it was really hit and miss. In fact, I haven't done a show in like, I think two years. Yeah. I had a really bad one. The one, the one right after when we sat together Mm -hmm. was really bad. And I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't really breaking even, but I was making just enough that I could justify another table fee for the next one. Right. I wasn't making a profit really. I was just making enough to cover the next table fee. Mm -hmm. And it was just something fun to do. And then I had that one that was just like, oh man. This was bad. <laughs> and that you, the feeling you have post-con, which is always, why do I do this to myself? <laughs> I could have been at home asleep. And it lasted for you. Right. Well, and shortly after that, my website broke because of a PHP update. Hmm. And so then I didn't have even any place to send people. So I was just like, why bother? So, suddenly, <laughs> I'm... I'm free to pursue, you know, there, there's something to be said for having gotten rid of that sense of obligation. Right. You know, well, I can, <laughs> I can strike out in a new direction now. Well, I, I ended up doing some large paintings, uh-huh. which are hanging out in the hall. Those haven't sold either. <laughs> well, they're in your hall. Not a lot of people are going to. Well, I've, I've had showings. Okay. Well, I had one showing and then originally I had gone to an art show and it was like just somebody's backyard. Right. And. They're like, I was looking at it. I'm like, I hated painting in high school. Right. But oh, brushes were my worst enemy. That's that's what you did you in art class, though. So there was things. there yeah. was that, and then I went to college, and I had to take the foundation classes, and I hated painting in college. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to paint. I just want to draw. Right. And I was at this backyard art show, and I'm just like, I want to paint. You're like, what is a strange this is desire a, building in my body? This is a strange feeling for yeah. me, and I. I mentioned that to one of the girls that had her art there. It was like two artists that had their the show. And she says, well, we do these things every six months or so. If you get a few pieces together, we can organize nice. a show. And I looked at her prices and I'm like, yeah, I think I can do that. Yeah. 
I never did that. But I did get it into a, the Provo Art Stroll. Nice. I got some stuff shown there. Although I kind of got shot in the foot by the organizers of that show because they had the dot on the map in the wrong place. Oh. And so everybody kept walking past. <laughs> and nobody came in the store to look oh. at the art. So that was frustrating. But, you know, uh, I'll try it again. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I went for years and years not doing anything with my hands art, arty. I would do, you know, I would do website design. I'd do writing and, you know, a little bit of, little bit of Photoshop. Entirely legal copy of it, of course. Um, <laughs> and then I just started getting that angry. Like, I got to do something with my hands that isn't a keyboard. Okay. It isn't a mouse. And... Right around then, I ran into some examples of assemblage art. Okay. Now, now, bad assemblage art, there's a lot of it, and it's what I call shit in a shadow box. <laughs> you just throw a whole bunch of stuff together, and it's like a you know crummy collage, only it's in 3D. There was an artist called Michael Demang, for those of you listening, D-E-M-E-N-G. And he is an assemblage artist who started out as a painter and then started incorporating little 3D things into his paintings and then became this phenomenal assemblage artist and used paint and color well in it. And it just blew my mind. I said, I've got to do some of these. So I did a few of these, you know, using, you know, sardine cans and doll parts. And you know, my back porch has got tons of darts. I look, I <laughs> so look like a serial killer. You look like you know? a creepy doll guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, rusting things and all this stuck together with, uh, with probably at that time with liquid nails. And then I said, what am I going to do with these? I mean, I'm in Utah. There's not a cowboy in it. There's not a picture of the temple in it. Um, <laughs> who am I going to sell this to? And right about then, as I was looking around on KSL.com in their classifieds, trying to see, well, are there artists selling them in classifieds or something? I found an advertisement for a gallery of outsider art that was opening in Ogden in a few months. It was called the Pandemonium Art Gallery. And so I contact person went by to see it and it was on 25th street in ogden which for anyone who's been to ogden that's the art center of ogden because a hundred years ago it was where all the whorehouses were <laughs> on this line from the train station to the ben lomond hotel and because of that and the bad publicity it had it was never redeveloped and so now that's where all the vintage buildings are so it's really classy looking. That's where all the you know, the antique stores and the little bistros and coffee houses and art galleries are. So I went there and there was the owner in this new space cleaning off stuff. And she looked at my stuff and said, yeah, that's totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I started making some. The gallery has since gone out of business because <laughs> galleries do that. Yes, they but do. <laughs> um, that was the first time in decades that I'd really said, I'm going to do something artistic and other people will actually pay money. To buy it. It's amazing. It's like the, the, like being a little kid when you sell your first glass of lemonade at your lemonade stand. <laughs> well, yeah, like the first Comic Con when all my friends and family were coming by buying my comic book. That felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when someone you didn't know comes by. That felt even better. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. One of the things we like to do on the podcast is play found audio. Yes. So I... I make trips to... Thrift stores? Thrift stores, yeah. yeah. That's that's the word. I love those. So I, I go to thrift stores and I'm always looking for stuff. And I found a good one. Okay. I, haven't, I haven't had a good one in a while. 
I haven't even listened to this yet, but this is what we're going to play oh, tonight. Shall I describe it Please for do. our listening audience? <laughs> it's a 45 single, and the envelope, the artwork on it just looks like a typical 40s, 50s big band. You've got some people with horns and slap basses and a woman in a spaghetti strap gown singing into a nice square microphone. But all of the print is in Arabic, I believe. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah. And there is some... Uh, Roman characters on the disc itself. It says that Ardos Dumad, vocalist Ravan Baksh. So it's either Arabic or Klingon. Um, <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, I am too. So let's put this on. All right. Okay, I'm just going to break in here and add this. So when we were recording, Nathan was reading the label off of the record for the found audio segment, and he read... Ardos Dumad vocalist Ravan Baksh. But when I threw it on the player, I actually played the other side of the record, which is Jazira vocalist Manducher. Manducher? I don't know. I'll have the pictures of this record up on Instagram. So if anybody can read the text that I can't read, and could provide a translation. That would be awesome. So if it starts out with Hail Satan, are you we gonna listen to the whole thing? I think, yeah, that's what I was saying. <laughs> I thought it was a little slow. But I forgot to push the 45. I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, insult you by saying, did you remember to set this to 45 RPM? I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got to leave the, that's a gem. All right. Ooh. Break it down.
دیره ای قریبم که تنها نشسته ام به دریا بدین شکنج دریا اسیرم در این میان تنها ندیده دیده من به جازین کبودی افقا نام کره گذاری نهد پا جهی به ساحل من دگر ز قهر توفان خدایا شکست این دل من نبادبان کشتی زمانی به چشمم آید از دور نه در شب سیاهم چراغی به چهره هم دهد This is like the longest single ever. <laughs> Are you sure you've got it on 45? I do. do this time. What would it sound like on 78? That is awesome. like Chippendale and Ahmed. You can also do this. Great, now we're going to get a whole bunch of Islamic back masking. English does. Uh, probably because we weren't expecting to recognize it. And the sounds are all odd anyway. Right. So. Well, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I never know what I'm going to find. I'll, I'll ask you, since, uh, you know, there's a possibility that a weird sound collector will have it. Have you ever heard Symphony of the Birds? By? I do not remember. Don't but, know. Well, it's the thing is... It doesn't you, sound familiar. You know, in recent years, you've heard things like, you know, Jingle Cats. Or, yes, you know, yes. Well, this is, this was an entire, it was supposed to be a full symphony where all of the instruments are recorded bird sounds. Okay. And it's very strange. I mean, it's 
sounds like something that, you know, Igor Stravinsky had a fever dream. And <laughs> yeah, look, look that up. I've only seen one copy ever. It was in my dad's collection. Okay. I'm going to have to see. I'm pretty good at finding stuff. Ever heard the Peter, Paul and Mary version of Twist and Shout? <laughs> no, I'm not. It sounds like this. Well, shake it up, baby, now. Shake it up, baby. Twist and shout. I mean, it's a ballad, practically. But just like this, there's maybe some twisting, definitely no shouting. That's funny. There is a, there is a podcast. I haven't listened to it for a couple of years, but I'm pretty sure it's still going, called Coverville. Okay. It's all, it's all covers. Right. Um, and sometimes he'll do theme shows, you know, covers from a particular artist uh sometimes he'll do an originalville thing of okay these are all songs that you know but what you actually know is the cover okay right and and here are the originals okay and so it can be pretty interesting that that sounds amusing yeah i was driving home from a friend's house 3 4 a.m the other day and uh coming up with an excuse at the time no 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 my wife knew when i go to his house that's typically when i leave um and he's one of my audio friends where mm. we do audio stuff together. And we were playing with vintage equipment that night, setting up some borrowed equipment from Jim Fosgate. Oh, of the Rockford Fosgate? <clears throat> yes, actually. Excuse me. You have to say it like this. Rockford Fosgate. <laughs> he sold to Rockford when his business wasn't doing so well. And then they tried to rebrand and they weren't selling anything till they put the Fosgate name back on it. Hmm. Because everyone sees that and immediately hears it in their head, Rockford Fosgate. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, but then, not so much. Anyway, so this is some borrowed equipment from Jim Fosgate. Right. Uh, it's vintage. Well, no, it's a combination of, it's it's a brand new decoder that he has built. Guy's in his 80s and he's still putting out products. Nice. He's like, I don't know how many years I've got left in me, but people need these products and I'm the only one that knows how to build them, so I got to get them built. Okay. So it was, so it was some new, uh, decoders, surround sound decoders that he'd built combined with some older speakers and some, so it was, it was a whole tube based system, this whole analog surround sound system that we'd set up. So nice. we played with that till three, four. I was driving home and there was a show on the radio. I don't even know what station I was on. I know it's not a station I ever listened. I think the station I normally listen to had something on it that I was like, what is this yeah. crap? And so I was just punching buttons. I don't even know what's programmed in. I only listen to two stations. You know, there are a lot of Stephen King stories that sound, start out just <laughs> like this, right? With the stereo equipment and everything. <laughs> so I, I, I don't even know what station it was on, but the show was really cool. They were they were doing siblings, hmm. siblings that were in, t- in music. Right. And so... He starts playing some songs, and I'm like, I know this song. Why can't I remember the name of it? And then they finally announced it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. I know that song, Frankenstein. Duh. How could I not remember that? Right. Oh, yeah, it's four in the morning. That's yeah, why I couldn't yeah, remember yeah. that. But then then he says the, the artist's name, and I'm like, wait a minute. I think I have a copy of that in Quadraphonic. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to come home and find my quad version of it because that's just – infinitely cooler than the stereo version <laughs> sure if you have four ears wah, wah, wah. <laughs> speaking of which that's one of the paintings i have planned i've got one out there with a guy with two big ears and the other day i'm like i gotta redo it with the guy with four ears i just have to i'm the quad guy so yeah <laughs> so I've, I've been sketching it it's it's harder to fit four ears on a head maybe that's why they don't <laughs> exist in nature <laughs> right 
Okay. If you, it's weird though. Cause in my head, I can see it exactly how it works. And then when I go to put it on paper, I'm like, it's because you know what? You need a 3d model because it's hard to show all four years from any one angle. Right. But as I was thinking here, I'm like, you know, first instinct might be to have four ears set on an equatorial band around the head, but maybe having right side up and down and left side up and down. Well, that's what I was actually trying to do, but just getting it to, because it's it's supposed to be a flat painting, Mm -hmm. cartoony in my style. It it just ended up looking like two weird ears instead of four ears. Mm. So I don't know. I'm still playing with it. We'll see what happens. But and don't let this be one of those projects that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, you're like, I think I finally got it. Well, I've already I know got how to do this. I've already got the board uh, gessoed okay. and prepared. I've got several sketches of it. I just I got to work it a little bit further, I think, before paint goes on the board. Yeah. But but yeah, it's supposed to be a companion piece to the one that's already out there. So we'll see how that goes. I love that you get to hang up your art in your house because as uh, my comments about Osmonds and Helen Reddy might lead you to assume, <laughs> and also about our bathroom. Uh, my tastes and my wife's tastes are not the same, and so when I do, you know, assemblage art, which has you know little, you know, one-eyed guys and skulls and fish parts and things in it, and she's like, nope, <laughs> nope. And, you know, the, the sketches I do at conventions are with all these, you know, monsters and ghouly things and stuff for the Cthulhu mythos. And just like, mm, that's very nice to have in a box. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. My wife jokes about the fact that, that I've pretty much decorated every room in this house. She's just like, he's the one that's decorating. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not a decorator at all. I just yeah. throw stuff up on the wall. Which is, you know, <laughs> what I think decorating actually is, but. You know, yeah. When you're decorating for yourself, <laughs> yeah. I've got one little corner of the house, and I'm happy to have it back because I used to have a home office, which is about uh, maybe half the size of the recording studio in which we are currently sitting, and uh, ceiling at least two. And then, and we're we're four bedroom house, okay. And so I had one of the bedrooms, and two boys, two girls, they can each share a room. And then our two teenage boys got to the point where beyond just the normal, this is how boys relate by beating each other. You know, girls play with things, boys trash each other. But these two were in danger of actually killing each other. So we had to separate them, which meant my office had. So for uh, eight to 10 years, I had a little desk set up in the corner of the kitchen or our bedroom until finally we had enough kids move out because of course as soon as one of as soon as our boys moved out then the girl said well why don't we get our own rooms now (laughs) which was funny because when the boys had a room together it was incredibly messy and one of them said about the other well i mean each said this but one of them the mess is all his you will see when you separate and we separated them and he was right he kept his room clean (laughs) and the other didn't and the girls tried to do the same thing i said it's not going to work like that you're just going to have twice the mess and i was right each girl's room is just a disaster zone that's all three of my girls yeah 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 (laughs) they're just and they they are infinitely capable of expanding to fill the space which you give them yep 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 and and we even tried we have a loft upstairs mm-hmm. and we're like, well, the toys belong in the loft. They don't belong in the bedrooms, but my youngest, uh, the toys just end up back in her room. Well, like, we've seen Toy Story. We know that they do have minds of their own. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that. All right. <laughs> All right. 
And and that way, if the, all the toys come out of the loft, that means you have room for the, the crazy family member that you chain up there that you don't let anyone ever see. <laughs> I have a crawl space for just that purpose. Well, there so, you go. Yeah. I bought, you know, I have to go to the DI to look for crazy audio stuff for right, the podcast. Right. Years and years and years ago, I had a friend go on a mission, and when he was on his mission, he's like, I don't trust this stuff with my family. Can you please keep track of my PlayStation 2 for a while? Right. Like, Absolutely, I'll take care of you. I was hoping that by the time he got home, he didn't want it anymore right. and just leave yeah. it, and he didn't. He took yeah. it. But I had bought a bunch of games in the meantime, so I've had this stack of games for years that I had no system <laughs> to play with it. And I would go, every once in a while, I'd look online to see if I could get system on this i'm not gonna pay that much for an old game system right but i found one at the di the other day for eight dollars how does it work it works awesome it kind of makes a little bit of a grinding noise when it starts up but it's not damaging the discs okay so i've been playing some of these old games again and uh it's been kind of fun hmm. i don't play as like i used to sit and i'd play it for hours and and now i'll play for maybe an hour and then i'm like that's good huh. hmm. i'm, I'm See, satisfied i'm, with I'm that. Because technology has generations that grow much faster. Yes. Even though I'm only slightly older than you, I'm a full generation before you. So I'm an Atari 2600. That was my first system. Okay. That, I was I was. Yeah. I, was I remember small. when it came out, I'm like, I can move this thing and it controls what I see on the television. So I, mean, I was just young enough when it came out that I didn't realize it was like this cool, amazing thing. Mm-hmm. It was just normal to me when my uncle brought that home. Well... I remember when he brought Pong home. Yeah. I was like, this is kind of cool. But I, I didn't, it wasn't, I was young enough that it was just kind of like, I didn't realize the impact that it was. Right. I was just like, that's cool. Kind yeah. of thing. So I was, you know, I was one of those people who always saw the comic book ads for the Atari 5300 that was going to come out and revolutionize everything and then fizzled. And uh, there's a new Atari coming out. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> Who owns the trademarks now? I don't know. It's, it's got it's, to have gone through three bankruptcies and reorganizations. I, I, I think it has, but they're working on a new system. They did like a, they didn't do Kickstarter. They did maybe Indiegogo or something like mm. that. So they, 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 uh, they did the crowdfunding for it and it's, it's in development. I never pushed the button cause I'm like, I'm not going to spend that kind of money on, I don't have time for games anymore. Right. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll play them once in a while with kids, but I don't sit and play them like I used to. So I was like, ah, that's a little too much for me. But I still ended up on their mailing list. And so they, they mail me once in a while. I see where it is in development. It's kind of it's kind of cool. It, it looks like the old one. Right. There's even one with the wood paneling on it. Oh, nice. It's got to uh, look like a station wagon or it's just right. not an Atari. <laughs> right. So there, there's two versions. There's the wood one. There's a black one. But the the wood one, it's it's a little sleeker than the old, mm. old school 70s one. Yeah, it's kind of cool. And then they're, it, it even uses... The old, you can plug in the original Atari. Nice. Uh, See, that's one of the reasons that I, again, old school, when that newfangled Nintendo thing came out, I'm like, it doesn't have a joystick. Why would I even? And I never got into anything in Nintendo. It's like, ah, that newfangled Mario brother, whatever the heck, (laughs) just give me my asteroids and I'm good. But yeah, it still uses the, but they also have a wireless controller that's a little more modern, but. You can plug both of them in or just use the wireless one, whatever. But, nice. Uh, and there's a whole range of developers up to do the games and stuff. So. We are living in a future where we use our technology to imitate obsolete technologies of the past. Yes, we do. <laughs> it's, and it's, also to transmit cat videos around. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing is how many plugins there are to mimic the sound of tape. <laughs> 
Or, you know, I've got a plugin that's specifically to add Vinyl Crackle to your audio. Vinyl Crackle, I can almost understand because that does have a certain classy vibe to it. But seriously, nobody's nostalgic for cassette tapes. In the past two years... No, nobody. I refuse to admit. In the past two years, the sales of cassette tapes have been crazy on the rise. I hate hipsters. I hate them so much. It's, it's, I'm sure the tape thing is a fad. I'm really happy with the vinyl revolution. Vinyl is cool. You know, you can be a high fidelity analog system. Cassettes? No. They were just, because they were portable, they were cooler. But. Right. Here's the thing. I have boxes of tapes because that was my generation. Right. And, you know, it was great to take a Walkman to school. And oh, yeah. Stick it in your pocket and then you run the headphones up. You wear a long sleeve and then yeah, just kind of yeah, sit in class sit. like yeah, that and, yeah. and listen in class and not listen to the teacher. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I've got boxes of tapes and I hadn't listened to a tape in years. And I found this thing at a like an estate sale. Uh-huh. And by the way, for those of you who can't see oh, right. the this thing he's talking about is a tape deck. Uh, I can't make out the brand from it's here. A Fisher. But, okay. So it's, it's not like a super high end one. Right. Right. Um, but it's it's a nice it's something that you'd have in a component. It's a console system. one. Yeah. It's it's not like a portable one. Yeah. And the first tape I popped into it and hit play, I was shocked how good it sounded. And I was like, you know what? I never owned a good tape player. Yeah. I only ever owned crappy ones. It makes a difference. I'm sure it does. I mean, all of my old cassettes, they always had that one spot in there where it sounded really bad because it kind of got eaten and then I had to rewind <laughs> it using a pencil in the right. spool and... Yeah, and you know, there's nothing like hearing that at the start. <laughs> like, oh, listen. Speaking of listening in class, when I was in junior high, I discovered a tape at the library, and it was uh, Jeff Wayne's musical version of The War of the Worlds. You heard that? I have heard it once years and years ago. I think I actually have it somewhere on one of my gajillion tetrabyte hard drives, but it ended up being, it's probably my favorite album of all time. Wow. I've listened to it over and over and over and over again. It's a two tape. Well, it's two LP, it's two tape, it's two eight tracks, whatever version you're in. Right, yeah. You're into two. I wanted to have it on my little cassette player at school, but I didn't want to have to carry two tapes with me. So right. I got a 120-minute tape, mm-hmm. and then I spooled extra tape onto it from another one. Wow. So that it was even longer. <laughs> so that I could fit the whole thing onto one cassette tape. Wow. I mean, this is how nerdy I was. <laughs> and then, but the problem is with that much tape in a cassette tape, if your batteries start to go, you drag really, you don't have enough torque to even turn it. Yeah. <laughs> so it just won't go. <laughs> <laughs> and I would sometimes take them apart and I'd flip them around and play them backwards to see if there was anything. Well, there were a few that I knew there was stuff on like, yeah. uh, two new, had a message on theirs. I was just listening one day. I'm like, that sounds like it's backward. Yeah. So I flipped my tape around and, and it was, it says, if you're looking for a hidden message, there is none. Please make a note of it. Nice. <laughs> I know there's one in Iron Maiden's Peace of Mind album, but I don't think I've ever actually tracked it down. I don't have that one. Weird Al put one on, on Nature Trail to Hell. It's something about Satan loves pistachio cream ice cream or something like that. As one would expect from Weird Al. I, yeah. 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 That's a good one. Anyway, so that was fun. I would I would do that with tapes sometimes. 
Okay, so this part of the podcast is a new section. Uh, a little while ago, my daughter wanted to do podcasting. And so I set up the mics for her and I let her listen and talk on them and stuff. And then one night, my wife and my daughter were in here and she wanted to do it again. And so I just, I flicked the mics on and I turned the recorder on. They didn't know I was recording. But my daughter, in this first episode, she was calling it talk time. But when she was telling me about it later... I kept calling it talk in time because every night one of the kids gets tuck in time and where they get to stay up a little later than their siblings and do something with mom and dad. And so this is talk in time and this is my daughter's podcast and she's interviewing my wife. Oh, hey. Hi. So excited to join you on the podcast today, Anna. Me too. So what do you all want to talk about? Anything interesting happened this week? Yeah, we can talk about, you said it's called talk time? Mm-hmm. It's where you just start talking and you take the conversation with you to different topics. Okay, well, my topic is on love. Okay. I have loved the color orange since eighth grade. May I ask a question? Yes. How many orange items do you have? I can't even count them. I have so many. You love orange. (laughs) (laughs) So, what do you like about orange? It's a bright, happy color. That's a good way to explain it. What's your favorite color? My favorite color is pink. Mine is because it's a bright, happy color, too. And it's because it has just sparkle of amazement. Nice. I like sparkle of amazement. Tell me about your favorite trip you've ever taken. My favorite trip I've ever taken. That takes a lot of thinking. I take a lot of family trips. Well, I went to California on my mom's work trip once, and it was super fun. We got a lot of freebies and a lot of toys, and it was so fun. Oh, that was an amazing trip. That one is my favorite. So, Emily, what is your favorite movie? Pride and Prejudice. Can you give me reasons why? Um, I like that they have to learn to understand each other before they realize how perfect they are for one another. Makes sense. What is your favorite scene in the movie? My favorite scene is when she goes to visit his house because it's a big house and she wants to take a tour her aunt and uncle want to take a tour when they're traveling and she didn't think he was home but then he was home and she sees him and she'd already said no that she wouldn't marry him because she thought that he was being prideful about something but it turns out that she just didn't understand the situation so she realized he was a nice guy so she saw him and she had seen his house and she was like I could have been living here. This could have been my house. But I thought he was rude, but he was actually being nice and protective of his family. Cool. And she finds out he still wants to be her friend. He doesn't hate her because because she didn't realize he was just trying to take care of his family. That's cool. What's your favorite? Oh, what? Room is decorated. What do you like about the decorations? I like all the different types of art. It's a big variety. Yeah. There's a bunch of pictures all over the walls in here. And we do have a lot of movies on this big movie shelf right here. So, my favorite movie? Yes. 
Hmm. I think it's a really hard one. My favorite movie is the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie when they're on the island. Oh, I don't know if I've seen that one. It's a good one. I figured out yesterday when Kella had her tuck-in time that she likes like secret agent. We we played a secret agent game, and Dad, my husband, and I realized that um, we haven't shown her any like secret agent movies, and we have tons of really good ones. So, well, Kella and I do watch a lot of Casey Undercover. That she is a spy. Hmm. Cool. I was thinking we should watch a secret agent movie today. That would be a good idea. Out of all the agent movies you've watched, which one is your favorite and which one is the funniest? Uh, my favorite is on the shelf, if I can find it. It's... You can tell me what it's the about. Day and Night. There's two that I really like. Day and Night, and then there's one more, and I can't remember what it's called. They're both really good. So... Which one is the most funny out of all of them you've watched? Um, the ones with... Oh, I can't think of his name. This, if there's an actor that he's so funny. And the the gal from Princess Diaries, Anne Hathaway, is in it too. And, and they're more like funny secret agents. And they're just hilarious. I think that's the one we should show Kella today. So, which agent movie do you think... Out of all of them we've watched, is the most accurate. Oh, I don't know, like, because I've never been an agent. The most, like, reasonable. That's a tough question. Just choose one that's more serious than others. Oh, the ones that are more serious? Mission Impossible. Okay. So, what do you like most about your life? I like my family. That is really good. What about you? My favorite thing about life is... That we were created by Jesus. Yeah. It's really special. So, what is your favorite animal? Horses. That's my second favorite animal. My favorite animal is dogs. Ooh, dogs. Last night, I had a super weird dream that Sparky came back. Like, about Sparky. Yeah. And since he was such an old dog... One of the tricks he knew, he would do totally wrong. He could say something, I think, um, it was like something he could do. And then when he was doing it, he made a really weird noise that he usually doesn't make when he's doing it. And he, it sounded like this. It was really weird. <laughs> Sometimes he would yawn and make a funny noise. That sounded more like a cat, but he sounded like a dog when he did it. What is your favorite fact about dogs? That they're so sweet and they just love you and lay on you and lick your feet. They're just really friendly animals usually. Mm-hmm. The ones I like are cuddly and sweet dogs. The and not too dog big. dog for me would be like a medium-sized dog about this size. Like, the, you know, the golden doodle. I He got the whole that I got to hold at the puppy barn. Yeah. It would be the, that size. Mm-hmm. It would be a golden doodle, and it would, when you're sad, it would come up to you and cheer you up and snuggle with you. 
and it would be a really snuggly dog, but when it's time to be energetic, it it's super energetic and it's super fun to play fetch with and frisbee and yeah. That sounds like a perfect dog. What would your perfect dog be? Hmm, I really liked Sparky, so just another dog like that. Well trained. So, out of all the movies you've helped with, which one is your favorite? Little Women. I see. There is a poster up there behind you. Yep. So, what is your favorite band? And what bands have you... My favorite band right now would be Drawing North. Nice. Yeah, and I've worked with a lot of bands. Van Lady Love, Foreign Figures, Brendan Nielsen, Red Yeti, Mojave Nomads. Is that why you say Red Yeti whenever... I say Reddy Eddie, but their name was Red Yeti. And there's a couple more. I can't remember. They were way back. Which bands have you worked with the longest? I worked with Fan Lady Love the longest when I when I did work with them. What is your favorite thing about podcasts? I just get to talk with people and really connect. That is one of my favorite things, too. My first favorite thing is how it sounds when you're talking when you have the headphones on. It's really cool. It is really cool. My favorite thing, oh, I said was talking to people. (laughs) Do you like to do art? Yes, I love art. Once I had two art classes on the same day, and it was the best. But the one I could erase was the one I didn't want. But it was still fun. Did you end up keeping the one you wanted? Um, no, but it was really cool. I started to like the one I, he had. Nice. Are you excited to start school again? Yeah. Every time you start school, you will think it's normal like all the other times. But then, like, every time you start school after a long summer break, you're like, this is super new. What is happening? <laughs> and this year, a lot of weird things, like weird changes have been happening. Like what? Well, they've switched the stations. So there would be stations like art, um, reading, um, you know, stuff like that. And then they would switch up the tables. And then at the end of, close to the end of the school year, to this time, they did this thing where you would rotate through all of them in one day and they would change every day. Oh, interesting. So the activities change, the things change. You don't do the same thing every time, and it's really cool. So what is your favorite board game? Mine is Monster Chess, where it has the Frankenstein, and then you choose the cards for what he does after your turn. That one's really cool. That sounds really fun. My favorite is Ticket to Ride. That one's a fun one. So who's the next podcast guest you're going to have on? Um, I think it's going to be Kella. Nice. What time is she coming? I really don't know. Just reminding. This is a family podcast called Talk Time. And what it means when I say family podcast is, like, I do podcasts with my family. So I do podcasts with my mom right now. I'm going to do a podcast with Moira, Kella, and dad but after i've done all those podcasts i'll find friends to do it with perfect 
It's going to be really. So, have you ever been on a podcast before? Once before, I was on the uh, Please Leave a Message podcast. That's Dad's podcast. I've been on Dad's podcast before. It's really cool. It was Kala and I on at the same time, so Dad had to not have headphones. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on yours today. It's been fun. Mm-hmm. So, what is the longest podcast Dad has had? Oh, like an hour and a half, I think. That is long. Yeah. And which podcast was it? Like, which person? I can't remember. I think it was, like, Justin or Joshua or someone that... i ask this question when he's on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you ever get on this podcast again, what would you want to talk about? We could talk about makeup or fashion or way to be a good friend. Or he could just go through, go with the flow and do random tips or random things about, like, random tips or weird tips about things or, like, random things that happen to us in life. Yeah, I love it. Like, funny stories? Mm-hmm. You should start your own podcast called, like, a kid cast or something and tell fun stories about things you've been through and give tips to kids and... Well, this is my first podcast and... I have started a podcast. Nice. So mostly kids would be on this podcast because I don't have a lot of grown Well, you have aunts and uncles and grandparents. Yeah, it is a family. Mm-hmm. So that's it for talk time. See you next time. If there is a next time I have you on this. Thanks. Um, leave a comment. Rate rate the the podcast. Give us a good rating if you enjoyed this. And subscribe. And I hope you enjoy. We like to feature a an interview. We call it iTick. We ask everyone yes. the same six questions to figure or, uh, out. No, not not iTick. I'm an Android kind of guy. So. <laughs> to figure out what makes them tick. And this week's is Ed Goebel. He's a local, I guess you'd say author. He writes, uh, like, what do you call it? What's the word I'm looking for? I'll start throwing random nouns out to you. <laughs> he writes sonnets. He writes... Movie review. He writes haiku. He writes. <laughs> You're making this harder. Biography. <laughs> but am I being amusing? Hey, all yes. you people out there. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Right. <laughs> um, the word is. He writes bathroom wall limericks. No. <laughs> Let me tell you my favorite limerick of all time while you're thinking. This is my favorite. Okay. There once was a woman from Venus whose body was shaped like a thank you, Mr. Data. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah. he writes scholarly articles that's what he writes and so he researches history right and so this is his episode of i tick okay so we call this part of the podcast i tick we ask everyone the same questions to figure out what makes them tick so tell us your name and what you do my name is ed gobel i'm a computer programmer i'm a stake membership clerk (laughs) i'm a temple worker yeah that's what I am. That's what I do. Fantastic. Tell us your earliest memory. I think that I was sitting on my parents' bed in their bedroom as a baby or something, and I just remember the color, that it was kind of like a gold blanket over the bed, you know, gold-colored blanket. That's like my earliest memory. <laughs> and that it's just like a flash of, you know, something. Right. Probably two or three years old. 
tell us a story from your childhood that's influenced your life, that maybe something you haven't shared often. The biggest influence of my life, I think, was my dad and the times that we had family home evening and his the impressions that he made upon me to be able to be who I am set me on this course. Just the many times that he was bearing testimony and the many times that convinced me of the reality of restorationism and the many times that he would testify of Jesus Christ. And it's all muddled together because, you know, <laughs> there was so many of these times because he was so faithful with family home evening and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I can remember some specific times, but it's all kind of that those things were the most formative, I think. Share with us a piece of music that's been highly influential in your life. When I was going through that faith crisis, when I was con confronted with, you know, all those arguments and everything at such a young age by my karate teacher, who was an ex-Mormon, when I was wavering that song on that Gates of Zion album, I think it's called the Zion theme or something like that, that is the thing that partially pulled me back, aside from the fact that I did have a testimony, but it was being shaken, to hear those that music and to be able to feel that spirit and be reminded of the many times that I felt the spirit, and to pull me through until I had a better handle on what was going on. Even though I went through all that, maybe what I went through that led me to this course that I've taken in life, maybe some of the things that I went through will, and some of the information that I've come up with will help somebody. And so that song really brought me back from the brink. Very good. Share with us a piece of media that's been highly influential in your life. And this can be anything, movies, comic books, um, paintings, games board games, whatever. Karate Kid. <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorites. My teacher actually taught the real Okinawan white crane. There was actually a guy named Miyagi that was a real guy from Okinawa that they, you know, based that stuff off. Karate Kid. Star Trek 2, definitely Wrath of Khan. I love Khan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just everything about Khan is awesome, even though he's a evil guy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about your passion and why you do it. I think because I'm probably on the Asperger's spectrum and I, you know, like just information intake. And I, I'm fascinated by, I'm bored if I don't have information to process. And um, just any kind of information about computers or ancient languages or ancient this or ancient that. I've always been fascinated by that stuff. And yeah, that's what really pushes me. That's just the way that my mind is wired. But it's probably also why I have, you know, the social issues that I have with trying to get along with certain people, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And if it's a gift, maybe it's a gift to help somebody, even though it didn't really help me in my social life. Other ways, maybe it'll help somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. All right, Ed, what makes you tick? Just being able to feel like I'm, that there's a purpose, you know, and that 
there's something that I'm a part of that I don't totally understand. I feel like, you know, that's everything about, you know, reality. I try to delve into trying to understand what I am and what the universe is and trying to come to an understanding of everything that's around me and trying to make sense of it all. That's what makes me tick, I think. Very good. If people want to see your work or they want to contact you, how can they do that? They can search for me on academia.edu. A lot of my papers are up on that site. They can go to my blogs, egyptianalphabetandgrammar.blogspot.com, pragmaticrestorationist.blogspot.com, alphabetorigins.blogspot.com. I have some out-of-print self-published stuff, but I don't know, that stuff is kind of dated. My rewrites of that stuff are kind of up on my blogs, or it can be downloaded anyway. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming in and subjecting yourself to our questions. And, yeah. Uh, I've had a good time talking with you. Yeah, it's good being here and talking with you, too. Anyway, it's been fun having you on. Well, thank you. It's been fun to talk about Cthulhu, and, well, we didn't really talk about Cthulhu. We've mentioned yeah, him a few yet, times. And yet, everything we say has a subtext of Cthulhu. <laughs> he who hath ears to you. Good night, everybody. <laughs>